Good afternoon, friends. My name is Wayne, and I'm a recovered alcoholic, compulsive overeater, chaos creator, and also sex addict. Just a reminder, this talk is my story, my experience. So I ask you, please, see if you can identify with the feelings, and please do not compare. I believe the only truth that we will ever find is in our own stories. Recovery demands that we pay attention to what our stories tell us as individuals. So here I go. My sobriety date is January the 1st, 1986. And I also was introduced to BBA about a year and a half ago. Doing these steps the BBA way, changing statements into questions brought a whole new light to my step work. But that's a whole other story. I'll get back to my, my story right now. I believe all human beings have a God-given need for love and belonging. Can I, I see now that from a very young age, I was lacking in these areas of my life. When I was very young, I can remember our family going for an afternoon drive. My dad pulled over on the side of the road, opened his car door for some reason, and the family dog jumped out. The dog didn't come when he was called, so dad closed the door, drove away, and we never did ever see that dog again. From then on, I had the fear that something similar could happen to me. I never forgot that day, those feelings. They still, at times, go to crop up today. This brings back some old memories. <laughs> I never did well in school. I didn't fit in because I was not smart enough like the other kids. I didn't understand and I didn't learn like the other children. And I can vividly remember one day in English class when we were required to write a short story and, and hand it in. I struggled with reading and I struggled with writing. So I copied a book, out of, I copied a story out of the book and then I handed that in. The next day the teacher asked me to come to the front of the classroom and read my story. I went to, the, went to the front of the classroom, started to stumble with reading my story. She took the papers out of my hand and then said to me, maybe you can read the same story out of the book. And the class all started to laugh. I was so embarrassed and I felt so much shame. To this day, I still don't like talking in front of groups of people. What will people think if I stumble through? that set up another fear in my life. My dad was an airline pilot. And so because of that reason, he was never home a lot. When he was home, he had five children that demanded his attention. I felt that I was abandoned by the one who was supposed to love me the most. I felt I never got the attention that I needed, which started another fear in my life. The fear that I would never get the love that I need. So you can see how fear really started with me at a very, very young age. As I said earlier, my dad was an airline pilot. When he was flying, he was up there in the air and he was in complete control. He controlled that airplane, he controlled all the people that were in the airplane. And then when he came down, came home, he just could never give up that controlling. And that set up another fear in, in me, you know, that, you know, just that, that fear of, of being 
searching for that love and belonging that I didn't feel at home in all kinds of places. Okay, I did things at a very young age to attract attention to myself. Not always positive attention either. I actually did get so much attention that I got myself kicked out of school in grade nine. So I only have a great education. I never did complete grade nine. When I was asked to leave school, my dad said to me, if you're not going to school and you want, and I wanted to continue living in his house, then I had to go and get a job and I had to start paying rent. Well, if I was going to pay, pay rent, I sure as heck wasn't going to live in his house under all of that control. So I was going to leave and find my own place. So can you kind of see the arrogance and the pride that was already building up in my life, you know, back in my teens? And I already started to drink by this time and chasing girls. So in my teens, I fell in love with a young girl. That feeling of having my own place by this time and being in love, I had my own car where I thought I arrived. I thought I was really something. Well, can you just imagine, can you guess what happened? We had a child between the two of us. And so what did I do? I fell into fear, more fear. Fear of responsibility, fear of the future, fear of failure. Just fear, my whole life revolved around fear. I was a scared little boy in a man's body and didn't know where to turn. And so where I turned to immediately was the bottle. The big book says that men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced like, uh, by alcohol. And I love the effect of alcohol produced on me. It sort of anesthetized me so that I didn't have to feel. It took away all those feelings of fear if I could only drink enough. The big book says the sensation was so elusive, and that's the way it was with me. I really related to that statement in the book. It says that we are restless, irritable, and discontent unless we can again experience the sense of ease and comfort. And I searched for that ease and comfort all over the place. Over the years, I tried to find ease and comfort in the bottle. I tried to find it in a bag of cookies. I tried to control. I tried to find it in sex relations, but I never found it anywhere. Well, that's my story. One evening, my dad invited me over to his house for supper. We sat down, had a nice meal. Then the doorbell rang. Answered the door. It was my girlfriend and her parents. We had a nice long talk. Or should I say, I had a nice long talking too. After the end of all of this, my dad offered to pay a lawyer that would take me to court and sue me for child support. Well, can you imagine what I was feeling at that moment? Hurt, anger, hate. I felt abandoned. I felt beaten up. I felt kicked. I felt punched. I felt manipulated. I felt isolated. I did feel shame and guilt, but the feeling of self-pity was much stronger. Now, over the years, I thought I'd done a lot of step work. On, on this matter with uh, with my girlfriend and with my dad and you know and, and with others. But when I came into BBA I had to realize that I had to go much deeper. And right at this time in my life, 
I'm doing uh, or I'm working with BBA workshops and, and both of the workshops are in step four. Step four states made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So I had to look back, what does fearless mean? And in a lot of meetings that I've gone to and people I've talked to when they, they look at this word fearless, they break it into two words and it's to fear less. So what I did is I looked it up in the dictionary and the dictionary says, it's without fear. So how can I have a searching inventory if I'm in fear of what I might find? And how can I admit to another person in step five what I'm too afraid to find myself? So how do I get fear out of my inventory? In the third step, I was turned my will and my life which is everything I am to God. And that includes my fear. So am I still afraid? If so, I didn't do my step three completely. I've always been told by my sponsor that, you know, if, if I'm feeling something like, for instance, in my step four, that means I haven't done the previous step completely, that I must go back. And that was very true in this case. So in this case, I must assume that my will and my life are in God's care and I must trust him. Once I have done step three without reservation, then I can proceed to take a fearless inventory. Dictionary says inventory is a written list of things an organization owns. And in this case, in step four, it's a list of the things that I own myself. So I must find the truth as it plays out in my own life. The truth about what I own. Page 64 in the big book, it says, taking inventory is a fact finding, which is searching, and fact facing, in my case, which was a fearless process. It is an effort to find the truth. So step four is not about trying to find the solution to find the truth about what is going on in my life. So I've spent many years, you know, going through those, you've probably seen them, you can Google it, you know, our assets and defects and blah, blah, blah. So uh, I used to believe that this list of defects, like anger, hate, hurt, self-pity, shame, all of those feelings that I had felt that day in my father's living room, were things that I had to take to God in step six and seven. Now I believe the list is talked about in step in the step four inventory when it says the object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods. So also in my previous inventories, I saw, like it says on page 62 in the big book, Selfishness, self-centeredness, that I think is the root of my problems. I could now see how selfish and self-centered I was in this relationship with my girlfriend and with my dad and also with others that I worked through in my resentments. So I think I must get rid of self. Self is the problem 
and it's got to go if I'm going to live this happy, joyous, and free life that the big promises us. But it goes on to say on page 62, I could not re reduce the self on my own. I had to have God's help. And I just came to realize that I was living my life on self-will as, as I worked through all of these fears. It was all about self. And I wasn't, and I hadn't turned it over to God in step three. So I had to go back and relook at my step three and spend a lot more time in that area of my life. My self was driven by fear. Now, some fears are healthy, you know, like fear of a hot stove. But my fears drove my will in unhealthy feelings and unhealthy actions. On page 62, again, it says, I am an extreme example of self-will run wild. And that's the way I always lived my life. Everything was too extreme. I, now, one of the words I say that I just went in the English language, balance. I couldn't do anything in balance. It was always extreme. You know, it was never one bottle of beer. It was the whole case. It was, it was all or nothing. I mean, I used to pick up the 40 ouncer. I'd take the cap off. I'd throw the cap away because I wasn't going to need it. I was just all in or, or, or all or. So I just asked the question. That was me. Can you relate to any of that? Now, on page 67 in the big book, it tells me, to look at where I was to blame. What did I do? Yes, I was self-seeking, selfish, dishonest, and afraid. I thought, who wouldn't be? Put yourself in my shoes. What else would you do? So I couldn't see the harm that I had caused others. I couldn't see I had played a part in this. I was just so fearful. EBA says, do you see that I have fear? Well, of course I've got fear. And I realized while working the steps this way in BBA that I am dishonest, that I was believing lies, which drives the selfish thinking, the attitudes, which drives the selfish actions. And that was that big circle that I went around and around and around. I was believing lies that I was never good enough, that I would never live up I would never, to any, anybody's expectations. I, you know, it was just a crazy feeling that I was living in, which wasn't the truth. When I started relying upon God instead of myself, then, then and only then could the truth come to light. On page 67 in the big book, it also says to notice the word fear that is bracketed alongside column three in our inventory. Can I see that fear is the generator making me believe the lie that drove the attitude that drove the option. Let me repeat that again. Can I see that fear is the generator? Fear generated the feelings. Fear, sorry, fear generated the, the uh, dishonesty that drove the feelings that drove the actions. So for me, the bottom line was the fear. Then it asks, does fear touch about every aspect of my life? Well, yes, it did. Can I see how fear is the evil and corroding thread? The fabric of my existence is shot through with it. Can I see that fear set? Sorry about the phone. <laughs> Can I see that fear set in motion trains of circumstances that I felt I didn't deserve? And that was the story of my life. 
And as long as I was walking around and living in that fear, you know, I was doing all sorts of things that, that weren't, weren't good for me or for others. So I asked myself, how can I get rid of the fear? I heard it said in one of the workshops, to give someone the problem without the solution is torture. So I'm going to give you a solution. Take it to God. Today, I ask myself, am I a fear factory? Am I a producer of fear? Was fear running my life? And if so, what do I do? I take it to God today. I don't try uh, and rely on self. I really rely on God. So for me today, fear has not been removed, but I do have a new outlook on it. I used to live in fear of what if. What if somebody didn't like me? What if I stumbled and fell? What if, what if, what if? And, and that's where I lived in that fear, what if. Well, today I can live in even if. Even if I don't measure up to your expectations, you know, I still have God in my life. God still loves me, and I'm going to be okay. And as long as God is okay with that, I'm okay with that. So I don't rely so much on self anymore. I turn it over and I rely on God. So now I think I'd like to hear from some of you and your experience from feel. I know it's a short talk, but it's my feelings, it's my story, it's how I feel. So. Thank you just for letting me share.